This is Cantonese After Dark, Chapter 2, A Day in the Life Dim Sum. So on the weekdays, I was an American kid, but on the weekends, I was an Asian kid pretending to be an Asian kid. On the weekends, we'd jump on the BQE, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway, and drive to Chinatown, the original Chinatown, not Falasing, not 8th Avenue, Brooklyn, not Elmhurst, but Manhattan's Chinatown. We drive over the Williamsburg Bridge to the Lower East Side to get to Delancey. Delancey was literally a shithole. People would take dumps right on the sidewalk. You'd see syringes everywhere. Prostitutes would spring up once the sun went down. The place looked like Barda Town from beyond Thunderdome. And I don't care which Chinatown, in which city, in which country in the world that you're going to, Chinatowns are usually located in the crappiest part of town. And just how crappy? Well, to get to Chinatown, we used to try to beat this one traffic light. It was on the Bollery. That section had the notorious squeegee men of New York. It was a toll booth ran by the homeless. As soon as that light turned red, they would limp out to your car, and before you knew it, it's like someone threw a chocolate milkshake on your windshield. Then you'd see a squeegee spackling it around. The whole time they'll be asking for change. Come on, man, I'd rather make it not take it. It just got to the point where we would just get our spare change ready. You'd pay them ahead of time just so they didn't touch your windshield. I remember one time a guy was trying to sell a Xerox machine. He had it on his shoulders. He was a few cars away from us and he'd weave in and out. I remember he wanted a hundred dollars but by the time he got to our car the price had dropped down to $50. The first sign you notice when you've arrived in Chinatown is the mobs of people. A sea of orange, reddish plastic bags as far as the eye can see. And if your windows are open, the smell of rotting fish. Ah. Also, garbage everywhere. Lots and lots and lots of it. Empty crates, boxes, double parked cars, and at the heart of this mayhem is Mott Street. Our first stop in Mott Street is Dim Sum, and there would usually be a bunch of people waiting to get in. Chinese people have this obsession with only eating at the best places. No matter how long the lines are, how rude the waiters are, or even how terrible the parking is, the better the place, the more we crave it. As you know, the real traditional dim sum, it has those ladies pushing those carts around the room like a Pac-Man game, and you're kind of being like Frogger just trying to get to your table. This style of dim sum is dear to my heart, hence the name, but it's disappearing pretty quickly, so enjoy it while it lasts. 
one of my favorite dishes is chicken feet. But they don't call it chicken feet in Cantonese. They call it phoenix claw, feng jiao. Why do they call it that? Because it sounds a hell of a lot better than gay garp. And it never fails. No matter how good the food is, somebody's always going to complain that the food is not fresh enough. And it wasn't just a time for eating. It was also a good time for relatives to lecture you. My biggest annoyance with Yun is their lack of empathy. They have no filters when they speak. They'll tell you if you're too skinny or too fat. Rudeness is apparently an art form for the Chinese. Or having to speak to relatives in Cantonese. There is arguably like 9, 10, 13 very subtle tones in Cantonese. Yeah, I'm gonna fumble a few words. And that's no reason to correct me in public like I'm half a retard. I may not have gone to Bronx Science or Brooklyn Tech or Stuyvesant, but that doesn't make me a day B, okay? Most of those lectures came from my know-it-all uncle. We all have at least one know-it-all uncle. You know him. He's the guy who's been trying to scratch his way to success through lottery tickets. You can usually spot the know-it-all uncles. They're usually the ones with the walnut-sized mole on their face. Maybe some Chinese people think it's good luck or auspicious to have one, like a stigmata. But to me, it looks more like a third nipple with pubic hair growing out of it. And then there's my uncle's wife. You can already guess what she's going to say to me. Eddie, when are you going to get married? Eh, I really don't know. Maybe I should finish junior high school first, auntie? And every year since, I give her the same tired answer. I'm still looking, but I'm pretty sure my future ex-wife is out there somewhere. After the meal, I'd frogger my way over to the bathroom. Now, why is it that to get to the bathroom, you always have to walk down a greasy hallway? And the bathroom door usually has a puddle of water in front of it. Some of the fancier restaurants will at least put cardboard down. And the bathrooms were usually dark, like you were walking into a massage parlor. I guess maybe it helped that you didn't see clearly what you were standing in. But New York bathrooms are notoriously dirty. But when I was in LA, the San Gabriel Valley, like Monterey Park or Alhambra, man, those bathrooms were exceptionally clean. Like I said before, you West Coast juxting, very, very impressive. But in Hong Kong, if you're in the old part of the city, the bathrooms are not very discreet at all. I was in a restaurant in some soypo. I had a small meal and then I went to go use the bathroom. I went in, I locked the door and I turned around and all there was was a hole in the middle of the floor. The toilet was either stolen or misplaced. 
It took me a moment to process the situation, but luckily, I only had to do a number one and not a number two. But I decided I was going to hold it in, take my chances with a urinary tract infection until I got back to the hotel. But that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was, as I was unlocking the door to leave, there was this really big gap between the door. You could see people eating outside, which kind of meant they could see me squatting. And the bathroom was in the dining area, so they probably could have heard me wipe my ass too. The most amusing part of dim sum is watching the check get paid. As soon as that check comes out, or somebody asks for a maidan, you'll never see old people jump out of their wheelchairs faster. It becomes like a blood feud, hand-to-hand -hand combat. If you've ever seen Bruce Lee practice on a wooden dummy, it's really similar. Watching the bill going back and forth, like hot potato in reverse. What fascinated me most was the physical contact. Growing up, you rarely see Chinese people hug or kiss on the cheek or even hold hands. So seeing people actually interact, it was a hopeful sign for me. The craziest part is they'll fight through 39 chambers of Shaolin over a $300 bill, but then they'll only leave a $2 tip. The waiters give us warm towels and sliced oranges. And then they gotta street sweep the carcass off our table. And you're only gonna give them a $2 tip? Remember what I said about not having any empathy. And as I'm leaving the restaurant, I wanna give a shout out to that really ugly statue called the Lucky Cat. It's an ugly statue. I don't know how it got so popular. I don't recall Lucky Cat from the 70s or 80s. Where did Lucky Cat come from? Who the hell knows? But it spread like the Macarena and it hasn't left. Growing up, the only Asian cats I remember was Hello Kitty, Mojo Mao, and a blue robot cat from Japan called Dorimon. Hong Kongers call him Ding Dong. I think the lucky cat phenomenon started in the 90s. And I don't understand how much luck you could possibly get from one if everybody owns one. But you know Chinese people, they're really, really superstitious. We'll believe just about anything if we think it could help us. This is the end of chapter two. Joy Gein.